Yes, and it's a big hello to all of our listeners again as we are going to bring you uh, another hour of uh, goodness knows what. It could just be anything, but um, I've got to say, off the top, it's uh, we're normally pretty up and about. A uh, couple of blokes that uh, do yeah. this, and uh, we we were just having our standard production meeting. That I think we, we was a long one today. It went for a minute and ten seconds. Yes, and uh, but we just sort of looked at each other and said, "G'day, mate. How are you going?" And I said, "Yeah, I'm alright." But I said, uh, "I could only think of one word. It was just weird." Yeah, flat. Um, you know, there's just the and obviously we're making reference to the very very sad passing of uh, Shane Keith Horn um, at a very sprightly 52 years of age and uh, you just never know what the universe is going to dish up and when um, but incredibly sad for his children and I was only sharing with you um, I happened to watch his documentary uh, yeah. over the recent weekend as well and uh, it was one of those things I knew it was out but I thought oh, I'd watch it at some stage and then this happened and I just absolutely was drawn to uh, to watching it and you just and I won't give it away for you clearly but you do see it a very different side to, mm. to warning um, to the one that we knew but I mean the, I, it, it, and when I said to you it's weird uh, it, it, it's weird because I can't think of any other word and, and it's mm. and it's you know I reference back to things like you know, I remember that the the crowd that day at the MCG hurling stuff left, right, and centre, and not the coppers, not the security guard, not the ground on that. There was no one that could stop those people. And I think it was the Poms yeah. potentially, and our, I'm sure yeah. our mob as well. But no one could have stopped that crowd from doing what what they were doing, except Shane Warne. Yeah. It was Warning. just, it was just that. You know, he was. Uh, the the mortalised Pied Piper. Mm. He, you know, he, I mean, and the reference they have to him in India and Pakistan and, you know, just the fact that there'd just be lines of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of metres and he would stop and he would he would talk to someone and sign their autograph and his autograph for them. And anyway, there's, there's, there's so much to unpack. You, you, we could talk about this bloke for the next 12 months, I'm sure. But Well, look, uh, Scotty, it's been an it's been a weird week because yep. we had uh, Rod Marsh, of course, yeah, indeed. Uh, which uh, which we're only talking about on Friday as as being you know a, a wonderful cricket, a wonderful person, yep. and a real backbone of the sides, the great Australian sides. When I first started watching cricket, yeah, 100%. and uh, you know, Paul, Court Marsh, Paul Lilly, yeah. you know, it just rolls off the tongue. Yep. Um, and we're just you know sort of thinking about that, and then obviously wake up the next morning and. To get the devastating news, and yep. it, oh, look, there's been an outpouring of emotion. Um, obviously, the papers have been full of it. Radio's been full of it. Everyone, everyone's been talking about it. Um, but you know, we'll just add our, um, you know, condolences um, to to, yeah. to all that, all his family and all who knew him well. Yep, um, indeed. Lo- local boy um, yeah. followed followed our team. Yeah, you yeah. know, you sort of feel like you know him, don't you? Because he's uh, it's, it is that you know, he's, not he's, that you'd say that you know, you clearly you go. Well, I actually never met him. I, I didn't know him, but you feel as though if he walked in here, he, he'd sort of make you feel as though you had known yeah, him for a decade. That yeah, um, seems yeah. to be the way. Great sadness. And I just wanted yeah. to. I've read a lot about it, and. Um, this piece I wouldn't mind just sharing with you because it's written by uh, the editor of Wisden, um, so uh, the August uh, Cricket Journal. Right. Um, it's just a couple of paragraphs, and yep. I just thought I'd Lovely. share this with you because it summed it up a bit for me. Yep. Um, so uh, this is from Phil Walker um, of Wisden, Editor-in-Chief. Um, and it goes as follows. Shane Warne is gone and the game is broken. They say that cricketers die twice, once when they bowl their last and then, well, now. Warren wasn't like that. Warren wasn't like anything else ever. There was no pause, no break in the flow. He rode on the tracks he built himself, never once got off, and he took everyone with him. He thrummed and danced and spoke his heart and did stupid things and took and gave it all, always in the game, from the first slap of zinc to the last tip of the wink. He answered only to his vision for what cricket should be, only ever wanting to know if this casual muck about a thing he came to with a shrug, was up to it. He eyeballed the game and its badges and stripes and implored the thing to live a little. And he changed everything entirely by accident, which must be the purest, most sublime way of doing anything. This is an Australian tragedy. 
but Warren, more than any other cricketer across our lifetimes, belonged to the whole thing. English cricket adored him, took him in, a saviour and an executioner all at once, and he gave back to it. He even trod the boards at Southampton for a few years. Easy access routes to London after all. He won the first IPL largely by dint of personality. He was the game. Mm. So, yep. I thought that was a, yeah, a, a lovely a pretty, piece. Pretty damn good summary. And, uh, you know, the, the, the bloke that uh, he gave as good as he got and uh, just lived life on his terms. And, and, and amongst the, all the outpourings, I mean, you're getting as much from people he played against. Oh, who loved him yeah, as much yeah, as people I, who played I, with him. Absolutely, yeah. And then there's all the other uh, outside cricket work that, that, that he obviously was involved in through his foundation and yeah, his family, etc. So, I, I heard Eddie Maguire, and he he was clearly uh, very shaken. And uh, But I heard Eddie um, uh, say something, and I thought, oh, gee, how true that was too. And it wasn't about things that he'd done in his life. It was about... How much less fun is there going to be in some things now that he's not here and not involved? Yeah, that's you right. Because you know, you 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 put the uh, you put the chameleon in in charge of the circus, anything's going to happen. Yeah. You know, he was uh, not a, he sort of wasn't the ringmaster because the ringmaster sort of keeps things under control. I reckon he sort of got in and just stirred everything up and then sort of closed the door and yeah. walked out and a just bit of larrikinism. Oh, absolutely. Fantastic. And then uh, I'll I'll finish uh, on this piece because I I think. This probably sums him up, uh, of which we would all laugh. But um, uh, uh, the, the, a very serious media tycoon, um, Mr. Kerry Packer, yeah. uh, once challenged Mr. Shane Keith Warren to ditch his flashy new blue Ferrari yeah. because it undermined his knockabout image. Yes. Um, while visiting Melbourne on business, an agitated Packer fronted Warner over lunch at Crown Casino and told the Spin King, who had suddenly become a cricketing superstar, to ditch his $250,000 acquisition. <laughs> Not bad coin. Um, be like the rest of us. Uh, be like the rest of Aussies out there. Get yourself a Holden. <laughs> Packer told Warren, um, who wrote off the encounter... Uh, who wrote of the encounter, I beg your pardon, in his autobiography, No Spin. Uh, Everybody loves you because you're a champion who's still a knockabout kind of guy. But they'll think you're too big for your boots if you tear around town in a blue Ferrari. Buy a Holden, Warren said. Uh, I took that advice, sort of. I said, cool, I'll get it. Will do. Kerry? So I traded in the blue 355 uh, Ferrari. I uh, I bought a Holden VK Commodore and a brand new silver 360 Ferrari. (laughs) 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 So we went up a model and just changed the colour. So I think that was just brilliant. So um, that probably sort of sums the bloke up a bit too. But um, yeah, just uh, weird is just the only word that that comes to mind. And of course, um, he's going to have a state funeral. It's going to be at the MCG. Yeah. um, How many people are going to get there for that? And uh, I'm going to do a little piece with you later because we've been holding it over for a couple of weeks and there there was a piece the other week about sports people who sort of polarise, you know, the, the ones that are hot and the ones oh, that are yes, not. Yes, I remember um, And I'll weave warning into that and, it, it'll, I, and I want to have some banter with you about that too because it, uh, it, it's really interesting to look at that list and who they are. <laughs> and... Uh, if it was uh, if it was them to have passed, yeah, I just wonder just, where just all that where sits. all that stacks up. Yeah, where that stacks in a relative up. Sense. Yeah, exactly, mate. So anyway, well, well like, mate, we, we don't want to be somewhere well be as up as we can, but uh, we certainly want to just pay due respects accordingly. We do, and look, we don't normally would play um, a song a bit later, but I think it might be the time to do it now. It's a lovely song by written by Paul Kelly. Oh, genius! Um, and it's just simply called Shane Warne. So uh, wow. I might give it a spin. Righto. Same one. One, two, three, four. Shane Moore, well known to history. Shane Moore, bowler of mystery. Whenever he walked up to the wicket, Change came over the game of cricket. He had the leg spin, 
flipper angle He came on the scene in 1992 Those Indian batsmen taught him a thing or two This fellow, some said, he don't stand a chance Soon he began to make the ball dance in Sri Lanka He first showed his colors true Manchester, England, 1993 He bought what they call the ball of the century Mike Gatting looked up, struck as dumb as a post And walked from the crease like he'd just seen a ghost Shane Warne's first dash's delivery From that time on, he played with a batsman's mind From Brisbane to Durban, he had them in such a bind To go forward or back, to player abstain Intensely the pressure built up in the brain And always the chirping from behind One on his phone sent a lot of texts Cause he liked to have quite a lot of sex Took a prohibited pill to lose his love handle Said mum gave it to me, it was a terrible scandal We wondered what would want it do next Shane Wong, truly a sporting magician Always played like a man on a mission Each time he came into battle ball He believed in his powers to take control Even when he was not in the peak of condition with his friend Glenn McGrath In Sydney they took their last hurrah Now Ponting and Taylor and Steve Waugh all agreed to have two such men they were lucky indeed Shane Waugh and his good friend Glenn McGrath Read on You don't always get a song written about you. (laughs) Takes a special kind. Have you ever heard that before? Uh, Once. Yeah, no, that was my uh, that was my first little ditty. Never heard that little ditty. And I love the uh, the reference, of course, to his first game where he uh, he just got knocked around for a lazy one for (laughs) hundred and fifty. He got belted early. Uh, But anyway, it was all there. Seven hundred and eight wickets later. Yes. 15 years of cricket with Australia yep. and a very, yep. very enjoyable yep. times. Yeah, indeed. Anyway, we must move on. Did you want to talk about that little piece you've got, the hot and cold well, thing? Well, it's a nice well, segue. Well, it's probably not a bad little segue, is yeah. it? So, because we, uh, I did come across it the other week, and I, I found, A, I just found the list interesting in terms of who was on it and, and what people thought. Yeah, it was and a I list thought, of um, well, it's, it's who's liked sort of who, and yeah, disliked. Sort of and, who's hot and who's yeah, not, yeah. you know. And they talk about people that can be polarising. So, um, yeah, so it was just entitled They're Hot and They're Cold. Mm. Well, I just would have said they're hot and they're not. You're correct. <laughs> it's just hot and not. Hot and not. So, um, all right. Uh, and it just then has most love active athletes. Most so loved athletes. Active, active athletes, right? So that probably uh, <laughs> negates part of the point I was going to make. But anyway, we'll battle on. Um, so all these people, as far as I can tell, yeah, they're all uh, they're all still going. Um, so they're hot and they're not. So the uh, have a stab at the most loved 
active athlete, according to this. Oh, well, it would be Ashley Barty. Yes. I would have thought. So Ashley Barty is... The most topical and most recent. Absolutely. And then number two. Number two. Yeah. Daniel Ricciardo. No, uh, but I'll I'll give you um, cricket. Oh, cricket. Mm-hmm. Current player, yeah. Pat Cummins. No. 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 Marcus, uh, sorry, Marnus Labuschagne. Or as they say, Labuschagne is uh, how you pronounce well, it. Well, I actually, all I can think of when I hear his name is Labuschagne. Danke, Labuschagne. <laughs> yeah, Thank you for. Yeah. Um, no, that's an unusual one. So I would yeah, have thought uh, um, the golden boy would be ahead of him. In number three, tennis number player. Three, tennis player. We've done Ash Barty. I'll be uh, curious. Uh, this is global. Oh, global. So this is a global list, yeah. Um, so number three. Well, it'd be Federer. Nearly. Nadal. Uh, Rafa. 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 Yeah. He's um, a star. Uh, number four. I thought this was really interesting. Number four, um, F1. Yeah, Daniel Ricciardo. Yeah, but I mean. Or Max uh, Verstappen. Well, no, it's it's our, our wouldn't boy, be Lewis Hamilton. It's our boy Daniel, mm. but um, uh, number five tennis again. Ah, uh, man or woman? Yeah, male, male tennis. Oh, top five, top five male yeah. player. It would yeah. be Medvedev. Yeah, Medvedev wouldn't be anymore, yeah. would it? Uh, no. <laughs> the recent events. No, I wouldn't have thought so. Although, <laughs> um, hang on to your hat because uh, this is where I did find it interesting. Yeah. Number six, then back to Formula One. Ah, uh, uh, Hamilton, Verstappen. Yeah, Verstappen. Um, uh, number seven, soccer. I think. No, maybe this not. This is number seven number you know, on our list of uh, uh, things. Most loved active athletes. Yes. Hmm. Um, and in fact, I'm not sure whether this is relative or... Uh, I'm, I'm stumped here. I'll just tell you, I don't think you'll get this. Adele Beckham Jr. Well, that'll be David Beckham's. Was it David's son? Pro- pro- Adele No, Be- he's got Brooklyn. So who the heck is Adele? No, because this is current... That Active might be athletes. He's not that playing. That might be MME or WWE well, it could or be anything, one of those it? MMA. Um, and now our first entry into the round ball of oh, the soccer ball. Soccer ball. The current um, world player or an Australian? Yeah, no, nah, global. Well, it would be either Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo. Well, I'll take your first answer because it's correct. Lionel Messi. Yes. The Lion Messi. Yes. <laughs> um, back to male tennis. Male tennis global. Global. Top five? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Sitsipas. No. No? The Joker. The Joker? Comes You're joking. Num- no. The Joker? I, I, that's what I think. In Australia? Not after recent events. Yeah, well, this is clearly not an Australian <laughs> poll, is it? No, it's not. Um, and I'm sorry, I'm not sure who this is. Number 10 is Neymar. Neymar? Neymar. Brazilian. Soccer player? Soccer player. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Quite handy. Um, <laughs> Quite handy. So uh, that's most loved. That's most loved. Active athletes. Right. Oh, sorry. The flip side of this is yes. most divisive oh, Aussie. Good. Most divisive Aussies. Aussies. Not necessarily sport. Oh. So across the board. Well, curious. Um, okay, so let's it's let's divisive. go through this. So Kyrgios number seven. Yes. We'll go about this different way. Yeah, right? yeah Kyrgios number seven. Give me somebody else we don't like. Uh, in, a, in a sport context? No, 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 no. Any context. Oh, any context. Any context. Not just sport. Um, okay. Um, not so good Pauline Hanson. Yeah, not so good with the books. No, she's not there. Top right. 10. No, not so good with his books. Oh. Um, Allegedly. Paul Hogan. Uh, no, he's all right. He yeah. took a bottom one. Uh, not so good with his books. He mm. cooked the books. He's not so good mm. with his books. Cooking. Cooking. Mm. Oh, Colombaras. Yeah. George Colombaras. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, divisive. I see. Yeah. Because yeah. He's... So, most divisive Aussie yeah, names. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Okay. Um, so, that's two. What, okay, what about what about our boy um, who's on the funny peanut almonds, active almonds, the cook, the chef guy? Who? You know, the crazy guy. Oh, um, Gordon. No, no, no. The Aussie boy. Oh, our mate. Our mate. Oh, yeah. Who had uh, fake uh, long... COVID uh, remedies and sun lamps <laughs> and Peter, Peter, Pete, um, oh, Pete yes. someone. Oh, yeah. I thought you were talking about you our, long, our long-haired boy. No. no, he's not on here. 
Uh, I t- this actually, this list quite astounds me. Justin Langer. Well, divisive, but oh, the oh, I wouldn't have thought so. No, Eddie Jones. He's rugby. He's not Is divisive. He divisive? No, I wouldn't have thought so. Nick Hockley. Who's he? Oh, yeah, CEO, Cricket Australia um, CEO. Simon Goodwin. What's divisive about Simon Goodwin? Not much divisive about him. What about Mitchell Johnson? Nothing divisive about him, I would have thought. He's retired anyway. Yeah, it doesn't say whether they're going around or not. Curious, we said. Robert Whittaker. Who's he? I don't know. Uh, Is he a That that should be a list of the top ten rugby league players who are disgraceful. Hang on. Craig Tiley. Head of Tennis Australia. He was probably divisive back when the Joker was doing his jokes, but... No, I wouldn't have thought so. And are you sitting down? Yeah. Pat Cummins. Really? What is divisive Why? about Pat Cummins, other than he than he nicked Langer? He's a golden boy. <laughs> so yeah. that's a bit of a strange list. That's a strange what list. I want to, what I want to point out, yeah. and we just talked about it before, Shane Keith Warne is going to have a uh, service at the MCG. Yes. There's every chance there'll be 100,000. Every there. chance. Now, do they still have a capacity at the D? <laughs> Wouldn't be hundred, would it? No, I think it's under. I think it's sort it's of mid ninety, yeah, ninety five, yeah, yeah. ninety six. But something. you know, so but by if if they allow people mate, on the, they'll, if they'll they allow people on the turf, mate, they'll be they'll be in hot air balloons yeah, and they'll be in drones and they'll be you know can you they'll get a hundred there just for him? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So my point being though, you know, Daniel Ricardo, number four on this list, most loved athletes, hypothetically. Mm. If Daniel Ricciardo was to pass away, heaven forbid, and there's nothing wrong with Daniel Ricciardo, my point being, no one on this list would get 100,000 people at the MCG. Not even close. Not even close. Not and that's close. no disrespect to nope. them whatsoever, but it was the, I think, going back to Warney, I think it was the, the X factor with him of whatever, the, and whatever that X factor was, because I'm not sure you could actually capture that no. anyway. I think it's I, I think it's like a, it's like hundreds and thousands. It takes all of them to make what it is. It's so, elusive. So yes. anyway, uh, but yes, there we go. That was a, That's a little... strange list. list of the devices. Yeah, ones, I know. Though. I just... Uh, I'm, I'm not Pat, sure that Pat I think they might have just knocked that out quickly without a great deal of well, thought. Is that like our boy that uh, used to used to write about the music? Has oh, he given up? He's, <laughs> he's given, given up, up already. He's had too much feedback from us on that, so he's not prepared to stick <laughs> well, his I, head I, out anymore I think and have a crack. I think we nailed him. <laughs> we nailed him <laughs> a couple of times. He hasn't written for a while. On his list. Oh, very good. Anyway, there we go, Alton. Now, there's strange things afoot in the suburbs of Melbourne, Scotty. <laughs> always, <laughs> always are. <laughs> But this is a this one caught my eye through the week. This is a group of people. Uh, this is a this is a thing called swordcraft. Oh, and it's Australia's largest medieval battle. Oh, so every every Friday night, yeah, hundreds of knights, goblins, elves, etc., yeah. are preparing for the next stage of their ruthless civil war that has lasted more than a decade. Yeah, the tribes are vying for control of an empire. But these are not battlefield warriors in some faraway land that time forgot. They are medieval role-play fans who cast aside their day jobs, including police officers, teachers and construction workers, to duke it out at the Western Oval in Parkville every Friday night. No way. There's a picture of them here in all their gear. Well, right. in fact, there's, there's been an ad on TV. So they, yeah, yeah, yes, with, the, with that, that lady. lady. Yeah. Yeah. So in period costumes, including steel armour... A wide array of weaponry. Three hundred people every week play this swordcraft, um, and other branches are active across regional Victoria. It's uh, it's a checkout of the real world for a lot of these people who dress ups, yep. and uh, and uh, you know it's a great workout, good for my mental health, and it's also cheaper than the gym. One said, <laughs> but um, there's a place where this belongs. And it's not in Melbourne. It's at Castle. Castle, for God's sake. (laughs) That's exactly where they should be. That's where they should be doing that. Yeah, and there should be some lions. (laughs) (laughs) Give them some real stuff to play with. So all swords and sorcerers and stuff. So that might be, if you're you're around the Western Oval in Parkville on a Friday evening, um, that's what's going on, in case you're wondering. Go and take some footage and post it on social, so we we can all have a gander at it. We'll have a bit of a look. There's a guy here playing bagpipes. There's there's a lady with a bow and arrow. There's some people who look like 
God knows what, but they must know what they look like. Is there but, a, um, Yeah, I thought that was pretty maybe, unusual. Maybe you and I could go, because I reckon there'd be a role for us with goblets and chicken wings. <laughs> oh, yes. We could, big, we could just be... We, a, could just, we could do the feast. We could just be the couple of lords. Little lords. <laughs> swilling away on some... Eating on a big turkey leg yeah, or something like that. With chickens That's running probably around. Us. That's probably us. <laughs> so that caught my eye through the week. Yeah, like it. Very good. Very, very amusing, I thought. Very good. And um, the uh, San Diego Zoo... Has been in the news yes. through the week. Have you heard? Uh, uh, has something been born They've or got something a new resident? Or has something been eaten? It's <laughs> Percy, the Brazilian porcupine, uh. who's actually not a real animal. He's the world's largest puppet. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. You heard right. Uh, well, I heard Percy, <laughs> Percy sure created heard by right. Jim Henson Creature Shop. Oh, well, is this uh, for the zoo? Jim Henson, as in as the in famous the Muppets, the Muppets man, guy. He did yes. all the Muppet puppets. Yeah, Muppet puppets. Mm. Yes. It weighs more than a ton, and it's got a circumference of twelve meters. Cheapest. And he's. This is what caught my eye. Yeah. Pending certification from the Guinness World Records. Oh. To confirm his record-breaking statistic as the world's largest puppet. I thought you were going to say the world's largest prick. Cool. Um, Prickle. Animal. Porcupine. Porcupine. Yes, that's what I was trying to say. Percy, whose nose is the size of a small car, and he's covered in 2,000 foam quills, was revealed at Griffith Park in Los Angeles, but is moving to the zoo, the San Diego Zoo's new wildlife explorer's base camp. Our goal was figuratively and literally to make the point... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that there is no experience like this anywhere on earth, a zoo spokesman said. So there's another one for the Guinness World Records, oh. the world's largest puppet. Has Jim really got nothing better to do than just invent? I don't know how much he got paid to do that, but there you go. Squidian, Squillia. Um, all right. There you well. go. <laughs> so puppets and costume role play. That's right. what I've got for you today. Well, I, I'm going to share another animal story with you. Um, I've got to be. Uh, we don't have a dump button. Um, I probably do need you to press the um, language warning, but I'll leave. The, I'll leave the language out. But you'll you'll <laughs> you not. You'll need to play that nice and loud. Um, so um, odd spot. Oh. <laughs> you know I love my odd spot. Oh. Um, and and when it starts off a sad parrot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here we go. A sad parrot who refused to talk after his owner died. Is it, is Strong it, language warning. Is this what I do? Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, this is just gold. A sad parrot who refused to talk after his owner died had finally found his voice, telling his new keeper to mm. off. Oh, really? <laughs> Fly off. Mm. <laughs> right? Jesse, the potty-mouthed African grey was so down in the dumps, he started plucking out his feathers. But animal rescue workers found him a home in, uh, sorry, my page is torn here, in uh, Aberdare, Wales. Yeah. In Wales, lad. Um, and new owner Rachel says, his language is awful. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse is taking to mimicking Rachel's partner by calling her babe. <laughs> But when she t- she tells the parrot he's funny, he replies with, yep, hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> we absolutely love him, Rachel says. <laughs> the potty mouth parrot. Oh, so he declares himself hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> what a lovely what little a great story. What a parrot that's for. Oh, How good would that be? Man, I tell you, Imagine well, the party tricks you could play. Oh, I tell you what, it'd be... Uh, It'd be something else. It'd be better than Hey Siri. It'd be Hey Parrot. Oh, what do you think you, of this? Oh, can you imagine? Because <laughs> they're as smart as all get out these oh, days. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if you could train it up to, um, you know, a bit of a cat call or. It wasn't a, me, Mum. It was yeah, the Parrot. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, uh, she inherited this uh, foul potty mouth parrot, <laughs> parrot. But she absolutely adores it. So, yeah. So there we go. It was a beauty, I thought. Oh, just that's to make very keep funny. things a bit light and bright. That's very funny. Now, right. um, the other thing that caught my eye during, during the year, you know, the the people that climb Everest. 
the ones that come back. Yeah, well, the ones we <laughs> hear a, about that come a, back. There's a few up there still. How's this apparently? one? How's this for sort of feats of endurance or just, this is just incredible, right? Right. So an Italian athlete and mountaineer is preparing an assault on Everest. Yep, fine. Yep. Plenty of people do. Yep. This guy has got both legs amputated and seven of his fingers, so he's only got three left, amputated. He's 35. He got meningitis about five years ago and was in coma for a month. So sepsis forced the amputation of his legs below the knee. Um, But it has not broken his spirit to explore. He's departing from the Himalayas to tackle the first trekking stage of the exhibition, joined by a couple of friends, and they're going to attack the summit. This guy's got... He's an amputee, and he's only got a few fingers, and he's going to have a crack. It makes uh, my attempts at the gym and uh, on the bike and in the in the water seem quite pitiful. I, I mean, I'm just trying to, I mean, I, I'm picturing... Uh, I've got visions of people climbing Everest, you know, where they, they get those big silver ladders yeah. and they put them over a, a, yeah, cre- a, over a, a ravine, a, a ravine or, a or crevasse. A, a crevasse. That's what I was trying to think of. And then, you know, with a thousand ropes. And mm. How the heck How's is he going to do it? Gonna do that? It's incredible, isn't it? What, what some think, people can do. Well, he's not going to be up to all his waist in snow, mate. He's going to be up to his neck. That's the point. <laughs> I mean, that's the other. I mean, I'm being serious yeah. about that. I mean, he's only literally got half the length of his legs because yeah. he's been amputated from the knee down. I mean, that's incredible. I, I you know, and the the other one. He's going to have. He's got to have some good mates to give him a hand. I reckon. You know. And was it not? Remind me or correct me, uh, and or both. Uh, was it not Kurt Fernley? Yep. Who did the Kokoda, Kokoda trial, trial? Who has no legs from his waist. Down. Correct. And I've seen him speak. I think we've talked about him before. Yeah, the most amazing well, he, speaker. Well, he was on during the Olympics. Oh, he's brilliant. And I, and he's brilliant. And I just said. So I've heard him speak and I've heard, have, I've seen footage of that. Got to have this man on. Um, brilliant. Do you know what's disappointing? Um, and I'm, I'll stand corrected. I'm sure the Para Winter Olympics started last Friday or yeah, they Saturday. Did. They did. Where is it in the paper? Not in the paper. Not a thing. Not on the telly. Nothing. No. What is that? Mm. That's a disgrace. Yep. That's what that is. Oh, Seven that, should have that going on that one of their sub channels. That is a disgrace. And, uh, you know, after all of the great yards we've made, I mean, there was even something about, you know, women's sport on telly. I mean, the only reason we never used to watch women's sport on telly because it was never on telly. That's right. So, you know, because... If you was, put it on, people will watch it. Well... You know, because they believe that they never would. And look, I'm sure some of the games have improved, as have the male games. I mean, you think of what a game of footy looked like 30 or 40 years ago, you know, on a, on a muddy ground and, you know, eight, three goals two to five goals one, you know, played in a bog. Um, I was watching some footage the other day. It's great footage, though. Black and white footage. Oh, real <laughs> so, black and so white. Early 70s. Right. Late 60s. And uh, they used to kick the ball anywhere. They didn't kick it to anyone. No, no, it was just a, <laughs> just 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 a bomb, bomb it. it. Yeah, just bomb it out. Yeah. Just bomb it. Have you seen the uh, – they've played it on socials a few times, the um, the great hits. Oh, uh, yeah, Biff's I think, I, I big think, biffs and bashes I think and I, bumps. I, I think I sent you – some of them were just horrendous. Brutal. Mm. I mean, how they even got up is beyond me. I yeah. mean, I mean, that now – you. <laughs> You'd just be banned for You're life. You're banned for life. You I mean, it just, it just can't happen. But, um, no, so, but I mean, uh, yeah, I, again, uh, you know, women's sport on TV is fantastic. I mean, the women's AFL has come such a long way yeah. since the early doors as well. But, a lot better. I mean, I watched the, the game nep- the other night. They tackle, br- they tackle hard. Mate, they leave nothing out of the <laughs> park. No, they go hard. Yeah. I mean, um, I think. Uh, the Saints women played Geelong yeah, uh, on the weekend had a good at, win. at RSA, um, RSA, and I think we're back there again this weekend, if uh, if I'm not mistaken. So I am going to try and um, get down there. I, I did sneak down to Trevor Barker Oval, uh, Trevor Barker Oval, the other week when we were playing Brisbane, and only um, really just got touched up the last quarter. But no, mate, they um, they go hard. The girls, they go super hard. They're um they're very very good to watch. They are. Look after this, 
Just a short break. I wanted to talk to you about another famous Australian sports woman who I think is uh, um, amazing. So just uh, in a minute. Okay. Is this our life? Yeah. So <laughs> yes, well, yeah. yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> so um, I wanted to talk to you um, about a lady called Chloe McArdle. Is that her? That is oh, her. Pointing right. right. Now this she is a superstar, right? She's the world's best ultra marathon swimmer. Oh, yes. So she's just completed her her 44th crossing of the English Channel. Of course she has. And what, she's 17? Uh, She's 36. (laughs) 36? Mm -hmm. She looks about... She's um, mentored by Michael Renford, son of Des Renford. Oh, yes. If you recall, was one of the first Australians ever to cross the channel. Yes. She calls her, he calls her the greatest open water swimmer Australia has ever produced. And with what I'm about to read out to you... Yep. You will probably agree. So, yes, she's done 44 crossings. She's done some doubles and some triples. You're joking. Just to add, add so, into so it. So, not only I'm just going to swim across. Oh, hang on. I might go back. I might back. go oh, back. Hang on. I, oh, hang on, I forgot again. something. Yeah, but I'm going, I forgot the cheese in yeah, Paris. Sure. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and she says here, wow. she says in this article, I was on the week, in the weekend thing, she said, I'm the queen and the world record holder. She's not bragging, but she said, oh. I'm the world record holder. Yep. Um. So she stopped swinging the, swimming the English Channel, saying that if anyone tries to threaten my world record, I'll go back. As long as I'm alive, I'll defend it. Wow. Now she's moved on to a longer swim. Uh, right? The Nile? <laughs> so she's set to swim. Yes. Uh-huh. The Black Sea. This is a story from a couple of years ago. She swam from South Eleuth- Eleuthera, a small island in the Bahamas, to Nassau. Which is uh, in the uh, in the Caribbean there, yes. that that area, yes. a distance of 125 kilometres, the right. world's longest non-stop solo unassisted swim. So, does she actually really never stop? She set you off. You have to. Yeah, she sure. set off. Yeah. Um, in the morning, accompanied by two boats and 17 support crew, swimming costume, cap, and goggles, because. The Marathon Swimming Federation prohibits the use of full-body stinger suits and shark cages. What? <laughs> what? She put some sunscreen on, but it quickly wore off, and by the afternoon of the first day, her back became severely sunburnt and was blistering. Oh. I wished for the night to come so the sun would disappear. Shortly after, however, she encountered sea wasps, which are a type of box jellyfish, and was stung dozens of times. They pressed into my burnt skin like the thin edge of a hot iron. Oh. Sharks were the next issue. McArdle's team employed a number of non-harmful strategies to keep her safe, including electronic shields, shark spotters and divers who went into the water whenever she stopped to eat. Uh, there were also kayakers on either side of her who dumped shark bombs in the water, which are, you know, uh, rotting shark flesh. Right. Um, and at night, her support boats dimmed their lights so that they didn't attract any sharks. <laughs> just before 1am on the second night, she approached an unnamed beach just east of Nassau City. She'd spent 41 hours in the water. Goodness, um, she reached the shoreline, collapsed, and spent uh, three days in the hospital with second-degree burns on her arms, legs, and back, and uh, infected blisters and welts, um, which had to be drained. So she goes through all that to set records in the open water, now which gonna, is n- just Incredible. And they're gonna tell me she swam back. <laughs> <laughs> That's unbelievable. She is. She is. So when she's not doing all of this, wow. um, she um she, she she said, I've trained off a bit, I'm only doing seventy five K a week at the moment. I've which is um so when she isn't swimming, she's got a business where she trains other swimmers to do crossings. Right. So she's currently coached more than hundred and fifty people to swim the English Channel. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Now she's organising a world-first relay event in the North Sea. Oh, hang on. Right? That sounds cold. Teams will swim from England to Belgium. That sounds cold. 92 kilometres. Yes. It's expected to take 40 hours. Each team has 10 people with each swimming 30-metre intervals. He said it's logistically a bit challenging um, and it's a bit of a dangerous um, stretch of water. The water temperature can go as low as three degrees. Hang on. <laughs> if the average person fell in, they would last six hours. There's constant chop, deadly currents, and the route tra- traverses two busy shipping lanes with cargo ships and tankers passing through at up to 50k. 
The ships can take a kilometre to stop, so they have the right of way. <laughs> no, <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> so oh, I read this article God. and just was blown away. There's wow. tons more stuff, but she's a superstar. And I just think, you know, hats off to her. She's a local girl. I was going to say, um, is she one of ours? Yeah, one of ours. Melbourne right. girl. Is she? And um, I just think um, things like that, in a, in, you know, should be called out as she she's just a star. Right? I'll tell you. I'll tell Perseverance, you how, endurance, pain, all those sorts of things. I'll tell you how much I want to call that out. I, I reckon we need to find her and interview her. Oh, yeah. Well, how about we'll that? Do that? We'll do that. That Won't could be, be hard like to find. I think uh, we're, we're, we're going to embark on... You could like uh, finding her on land. <laughs> We might have to be have to part get, of... We might have to get a boat. We're, we're going to need a bigger boat. <laughs> we're need a bigger <laughs> we boat. might have to be part of her flotilla. Correct. No, no, good on her. Claim yeah, a card. If great. you get a chance to I will, read about I'll, her. Uh, I will. I'll go on YouTube and um, find out what this superstar's been doing. Yeah. Um, all right. Over to you, great. Uh, okay. Um, well, you know I love my, uh, my environmental bits and pieces. And um, yet again, there was another piece about electric vehicles. Um, which is a really, uh, it, it's a really interesting space to watch. I got, um, a, I got an electric vehicle when we were interstate. Oh, did you? Yes. A full electric vehicle? It was a hybrid. Or a hybrid. And right. my problem with it was I never knew when the engine was off. <laughs> yes. So right. they need to do a better job at telling me when the engine's on or off. Because I kept going, hopping out of the car, going to go beep, and it would beep at me, oh. and I hadn't turned the engine oh. off. Oh, Mm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's a bit tricky. So they need to do something with that. And, you know, I've almost been run over four times in our street by a Tesla. <laughs> Have you got headphones they on? sneak up no, on you. Just, no, you can't hear They go, whoosh. <laughs> and then you hear, beep, <laughs> Absolutely tish yourself. Um, so I'll just, uh, I'll leave this piece. I, I, in fact, I was uh, only writing a, an email to someone and uh, expressing my view about some things. And, and I described it. I said, I still think we're a little way to go, but... Um, it Price has got to come down a bit. Well, it, and, and that's just... For pure, the every man to be able supply to and demand, it. right? Yeah. So as soon as there's more demand and people get bigger orders, then they can buy components more cheaply. It's, you know, it's got the it. whole nine yards. Got it. Um, but I just said, I believe that we've still got a little way to go. They're still too expensive, but then the curve will just go whooshka and it'll it'll go nuts. Um, and I think the councils are starting to sort of get their head around this. So um, local councils are building an electric vehicle charging network that will span every section of Victoria. An antidote um, uh, to the range anxiety, transport experts say, is one reason why Australian EV sales have fallen behind many other countries. Well, look in the metro area, it makes sense that every petrol station will just have a charge. One hundred percent, right? But they're right. not they're not fast charged. That's the problem, yeah, right? Well, so you can't sit at a petrol station for two hours where you can't charge. No, no, you need to have a quick one. You know, <laughs> It's just out the, around the back for a quick. Just a quickie. <laughs> a quickie around the back. Yeah, a quick charge. Um, EV sales accounted for only 2% of Australia's total vehicle market last year, while Norway... How much? 2%. 2%. Yeah, 2%. What's of, Norway? Norway? Have a stab. 50. 72. Oof. 72 Is there a government incentive scheme uh, I'll guarantee you there is. Yeah. Sweden's 45% and the Netherlands 30%, Sweden, according to 25. the International Energy Agency. The Electric Vehicle Council said there is still a need for a public charge infrastructure in Australia, yeah. but points to an ever-expanding network of charging points across the nation being created by private companies as well as local councils. Scott, it can't be hard, right? It's not. You drive the Hume Highway, there's 100%. any number of service stations, they just put... A couple of charges. Yeah, in. they just but oh, they, no. they got to work out how it's to give a, you two or three hours worth of juice. I need a super boost in, in ten minutes. Yeah, yeah, right. So well, you go, and a, a, go and get a coffee. You know, go and have a couple of dimmies and you yeah. know, a bag of chips and then come twelve dollar potato cakes and then. <laughs> <laughs> I bought some the other day. They were fifty cents where I got them. <laughs> um, the city of Frankston is currently calling for tenders uh, for electric vehicle charges to be installed at a maximum of four sites within its boundaries to be used by the successful contractor for a pilot. Project to test demand before any larger scale rollout. Good. So get on. I won't. Uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, get, get on. on it. Uh, according to the Electric Vehicle Council, sales of plug-in electric vehicles tripled from six thousand nine hundred in twenty twenty to twenty thousand last year, accounting for a two percent market share of new cars, up from 0.78%. 
Um, I'm on it. I, I like yeah, the idea because lower maintenance cost, lighter car, obviously. No, heavier, uh, actually. Well, be heavier because the battery, but, yeah, battery, but no but moving, less moving parts. 100%. Um, yep. But they just got to do two things for me. Get them cheaper. Yep. Fix the charging. And, and, um, and let them make a little noise and, occasionally to, to tell passengers they're around. Well, there'd be no harm in, in, in it sounding like a supercar there would there? no harm at all because it's electric yeah. it would just sound like a supercar yeah or is that noise pollution yeah <laughs> well, so a lot of people don't like them because they oh, don't make that noise is that one of the best sounds of the world you just plug a little cd in wouldn't you i'd find a chip of some description yeah. that i could just because i reckon and it'd be I like re- when you had a bike and you stuck the your playing card uh, with the peg oh, on your bike yeah. to make that flapping sound. No, but the, the, that's what you, you need. hundred percent. I like mean, that. there was you know, and and to get a good sound, you just did triple cards, yeah, right? Yeah, so you, cards, you put yeah. elastic band around the card, and then yeah. elastic band ran around the elastic yeah. band on the cards. Flapper, flapper. <laughs> yeah, um, no, the next uh, the next uh, innovation will be the sound that comes out of your exhaust. Yeah. And where you have hard, medium, and soft ride, yeah, you'll have. V8 supercar, V8 supercar. You'll be able to dial up <laughs> yeah. the sound out of your exhaust. Mark my words. I, I want to be the inventor of that. Oh. That'll, that'll make the hey. whole EV industry go bunter. Is that just not the answer to everything? Correct. So every petrol head would today, just go... Today, I feel like being... Yeah. You know, I'm going to I'm going to be I'm going to be Mr Bean today. <laughs> <laughs> but now I want to be yeah, yeah I want to be uh, Daniel Ricardo. Well, your boy. <laughs> your boy is the uh, the oh, superstar. Mr Little Brownie. Little Brownie. Is that him? Yeah. yeah. Brownie. Um but is that not the most obvious thing? Yeah. Dial up Simple. sound out of your exhaust. And then people go, "Well, that's all I want. I yeah. just wanted the sound." Yeah. I want a, I want a V8 and sound. And you can add a subwoofer to it so yes. you get subwoofer <laughs> so it really cranks up. Um <laughs> uh, I've probably We've given some genius a very good idea now. Well, and now I'm just deliver it. Now I've just, I've just, just transformed the EV anyway, industry uh, in one fell swoop. Just my contribution to society. Correct, correct, correct. <laughs> very good. Right. Um, have we got much room for much else? We've got quite a bit we, Do we? room. Yes. Well, I, uh, well Continue on, McDuff. All right, I, I shall. Um, so this is sort of still back in the techno space. Um, and this uh, this is entitled. Uh, is, is, is that techno well, in terms sort of technology of, or the almost a music genre? Techno, no, no, no. This is uh, <laughs> which is not something we've ever gone <laughs> no, to. This, uh, no, no. And uh, and the other techno, we've got no idea, so we're not going there either. <laughs> no. All right. Uh, this is uh, probably in the um, maybe in the AI world. AI, yeah, artificial intelligence. Yes, artificial insemination. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Intelligence will do. Um, Yes, a move that smiles you. Our faces can unlock smartphones, and we, we've all sort of come used to being able to do that. When you stare at our phone, it recognises our face. Facial recognition technology. Yeah, because that's how they're looking at us. FRT. Because that's, you know, they listen to us and they watch us, and that we've they've just given us something to make us feel good. <laughs> but in fact, what it does, it allows them to have a look at us and go, oh, Rutsy likes a blue shirt. Yeah. So do you see an so, ad for a blue shirt in the next half an hour? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yes. And there'll be an ad for some Pinot, I'm sure, because we talked about <laughs> wine and chicken before, and there'll be an ad for chickens. Uh, we'll have an ad for Red Rooster or something, yeah. or whatever that shop's called. Um, our faces can unlock smartphones, provide access to a building, and speed up passport controls at airports, verifying our identities for many purposes. Correct. Now, an international (laughs) team of researchers from Australia, New Zealand and India have taken facial recognition technology to the next level, using a person's expression to manipulate objects in a virtual reality setting without the use of a handheld controller or touchpad. So just so now by moving is... your eyeballs or moving your head, winking, nudging, raising your eyebrow. Stand by. Oh, God. In a world-first study led by what the... What happens if you've got a facial tick? What happens if you do a Roycey? <laughs> <laughs> what happens then? <laughs> Maybe the ground just opens up and swallows you. <laughs> um, in a world-first uh, study led by the University of Queensland, human-computer interaction experts used neural processing technologies yeah. to capture a person's smile, frown, and clenched jaw, then used each expression to trigger specific actions in virtual reality environments. You're kidding. No. 
A smile was used to trigger the move command. Yeah, okay. So stop walking now. Yeah. <laughs> um, a frown was to do what, do you think? Stop. Stop. Yeah. Yeah. And a clench, uh, and a clench for the action command. Clinch. Yeah, it just says, like it just says, and a clench. Clench teeth, like, or whether it's teeth or it might be fist, I don't right. know. Uh, for the action, com- for the action command, University of South Australia researcher Mark Billinghurst said. Wow. So, what happens if you sneeze? <laughs> Or cough. Well, that's, I don't know. You can, maybe we could create a list of all the things you can do with your face or your body and what that actually extrapolates out to. We'd have a lot of fun with that. <laughs> That'd right. be a good oh, list. You would. Hey? You would. Well, look, what's he doing now? Yeah. <laughs> what's, he, what's he trying to do now? Morning! Morning! <laughs> what's the story? Oh, dear, mate. That's no good at all. I think that's brilliant. It's, it's actually... All you have to do is go, our mind's gone to the same place. <laughs> yeah. It's not a nice place. No, but all you've got to do is go, maybe if you gulped, yeah. then a bottle of wine would just appear. <laughs> or if you sort of ch- chomped your mouth together, you know, maybe a, a plate of spare ribs would turn yeah, up or something. Or, or, or some chopped liver with Chianti. <laughs> but imagine being able to do that in, in a Chinese in a Chinese restaurant ordering yumcha. You, oh, yeah. you had to order yumcha. You had to yumcha, do a facial expression a facial ex- for, for number 69 lemon chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I just think, oh, I'll tell you what, I, I'm going to write some down and do it next week because I'm going to have a crap load of fun with that. Okay. Well, on that note. Oh, we're done. <laughs> it's got us to the line. No, lineup. I just want to leave here and get oh, cracking yeah. on that list. <laughs> Well, enjoy. Um, great to see you, old son. Uh, let's you, hope uh, the week ahead is uh, is better than what we've had. And uh, yeah. and again, our sincere condolences to the Warren family and uh, and all of his friends. May he uh, solemnly rest in peace. Beautiful. See you, mate. See you, mate.